Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mino Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. A part of that also like lent to me being naive about certain things when starting my business, like quitting and then me just thinking in a year, the day I launched, we was going to like sell, you know, I mean, that does happen, but it, it doesn't happen as often. I literally thought like 54 Thrones, we opened, we got the shop on Shopify, we're about to sell out. And that is not what happened when I started. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Christina Funke Tegbe, founder of 54 Thrones. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we'd love to hear from you. Make sure that you leave a five-star rating and a review. It means so much to us. All right, everyone. Christina is the founder of 54 Thrones, a skincare line company that makes beauty products with an African theme. All the products have a common ingredient, shea butter, extracted from African shea tree nuts. Christina grew up using African skin products under the influence of her Nigerian aunt. She previously worked in the corporate healthcare world as a consultant. 54 Thrones has been featured in Oprah's Favorite Things on Shark Tank and has won awards in Harper's Bazaar, Oh, the Oprah Magazine, Birdie, Pop Sugar, and Brides. Christina, welcome to Business of the Feed. I am so excited about this. So um, I know that you are just fantastic. And you were even trying to podcast with me from one of your trips in Africa. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's doing everything. So I've just been waiting and waiting, but welcome to the I show. I am so happy to be here, Kendra. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad we're finally able to do this. Yes. And even just looking at you, I mean, you just embody richness, diversity, and culture. You are the epitome of it. And I love how you talk about just indulging yourself with tubs of shea butter. And I can see that glow. I see that glow. So talk about um, your African heritage. Talk about your Nigerian aunt. Like everything that that made you, Christina, who you are today. Yeah, I, I'm Nigerian-American. And so my father is Nigerian and we're Yoruba. But my mother is from Louisiana. So I grew up with like these two different, you know, cultures and experiences, which a lot, you know, I feel like a lot of like kids from the African diaspora kind of experienced also, even if both of their parents were from an African country growing up, you know, in America in the 90s, you know, in the early 2000s, where 
it wasn't yet like cool to be Nigerian or cool to be different, you know? Now it, it's like the trend and everyone's like, but back then it wasn't, you know what I mean? And so I grew up with two totally different like cultures and I grew up in the suburbs of Austin, Texas, you know what I mean? And so I, the things that I remember the most about my childhood in terms of like um, the Nigerian influence was, I remember going to parties you know, going to Nigerian weddings and going to parties and kind of like being around that energy and the colorfulness and all the different personalities and just those parts of my heritage. But what really um, kind of like spurred 54 Thrones was that my dad's oldest sister, when I was growing up, she would find whoever was like traveling from Nigeria to America and they didn't have to be coming to Texas like anybody like anywhere in America and she would persuade <laughs> them to pack little tubs of shea butter to bring to me and my family and so we grew up with like shea butter and black soap and all these things and when I was a little girl I was I would I would use it but I was always like why does our lotion come from Africa like why you know and so as I got older I realized that was her way to make sure that I grew up and my siblings grew up with parts of our Nigerian heritage because we weren't physically there. And I didn't physically visit Nigeria until much later. And so I grew up with like parts of that. And I grew up, my mother, um, and my mother had 16 siblings and eight sisters. And each of them were like into the beauty world, whether it was like makeup or hairstylist. One of my aunts is was a Janet Jackson impersonator. So when I was a little girl, like she would be around like in full, like Janet Jackson regalia. And so I grew up with these like glamorous, confident, you know, unapologetic black women who just were like these figures. And I grew up seeing that as well. And so beauty was like always something that I was into and interested, like always getting my hair done or like everything when I was a child. And then when I got older, I started to like put the two together thinking about the things that reminded me of my heritage because growing up, I knew some, but I didn't know a lot. And I had never visited Nigeria again until I was in my twenties. So that was like how it was like growing up this Nigerian American kid in the suburbs of Austin, Texas in the nineties for me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I, I love this story. And it's just amazing when we think about confidence and I have a young daughter and we think about confidence and what you see and the importance of family and role models and especially this blending of culture because Louisiana is so rich in its own culture. (laughs) And then Texas, it's just phenomenal how you brought all of that together. And so talk about, so your, your first trip to Nigeria is in your twenties. You've already been immersed with such a strong sense of value and purpose and confidence. What was that trip like and how do you, how did it kind of shift Um, your thoughts from a professional perspective, from a personal perspective to keep guiding you through your journey? So that first trip was in 2012. And I've been traveling to Africa for the past 10 years. My first trip was in 2012. And that was the first time that I met my paternal grandmother. And then she ended up passing a year later. And I had met her um, two other times, one other time from that trip. And so, listen, I was not prepared for Nigeria. 
when so my myself, my my sister, my brother, my father, we all went. That was my siblings' first time going, and like I, I the way that I packed them when I look at my pictures from back then, I had like cargo pants and like I was, you know, like I was packing, like I was going on the. You know, and when I got there, I was like, I didn't bring any of my cool clothes. And my cousins were like, let's go to the club. Let's go to the beach. And I'm like, so I never again packed like that because I just had this idea of what, you know, I saw on TV. And I didn't really understand that, like, you need to, you know, dress to impress. And like, so I had like, I went to, I remember my sister, like the way we packed and like we had hats and just like we were going into and so that was my my first like rude awakening. It was like I did not pack properly because you know I just was packing like I was just going to the forest or something. <laughs> like I was going camping, yes. and my cousins were like, "We're going to the club." Not quite. Yeah. <laughs> so there was that, but meeting my grandmother for the first time. Um, she lived in a city called Ibadan, and so we drove there, and we got there like at midnight. All of my cousins, but I hadn't met a lot of my family, and so it was like I was meeting like 30, 40 of my cousins and aunties all at once, and I went, and I sat next to my grandmother in her bed, and she took my hand, and it was like she knew me, and she was like, Funke, take it easy. She was telling me that, and I was like, how do you know I'm always like thinking and always going so hard, and so I had like really beautiful like intimate moments with her before she passed but that was my first trip and so every trip after that I was like ready like because again when people think of Africa a lot of people just think of like the jungle or safaris or desert or poverty and you don't know that Africa is lit it's been lit and there's so many beautiful things about each country and and the people and the culture and just everything and so my first trip was like that. I was like, okay, I am never packing like this again. Like, I'm going to be ready. <laughs> so that was my very first experience in Nigeria. Wow. It is. It's so funny, these, like, misconceptions that you have of different places. Yeah. Like, even in the U.S. and all over the world. And then you get there and you're like, wow. Right. And I love, love, love what you said, that Africa's been lit. Because so many people are like, oh, I'm planning this trip to Africa, Africa, Africa. And you're like, no, Africa's been it. And I think it's so phenomenal how when we think about 54 Thrones, your your company, the name 54 represents Africa's 54 countries. And that is such a big deal. And it's so phenomenal. And the fact that you've been able to brand your company after Africa <laughs> and that it's been lit is phenomenal. So talk about that process. Like what was the process to say, I want to do this. This is the name and here's how it connects to my center. So after that first visit, I became just so engulfed and like obsessed with learning about my heritage and my culture. Um, I was working as a uh, management consultant in healthcare at that point in time. And I was constantly going to Nigeria. I, you know, I had a job to where I would fly out to my clients on Monday and I would fly home Thursday night. And I remember times I would fly from like Ohio to Lagos Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I fly back home on Sunday to go to work. Wow. Like I was so like, once I discovered like how beautiful where I came from was, that's the only thing that stayed on my mind. And so I didn't start my business officially, 54 Thrones, until 2016. 
But I quit my job in 2015. And I was like, you know what? I just had this like pull to want to learn more. Like, and so I cashed out like all of my retirement 401k IRA. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to travel. And I'm, and I knew that I wanted to start something, but I wasn't exactly sure of what it was going to be yet. And so from 2015 for 2016, I just traveled like constantly Nigeria, Ghana, Egypt, South Africa, like Mauritius. I went to as many places as I could. And I would go as like a tourist, like as an explorer. But I remember when I was in Morocco, I was in the market and I saw women just sitting on the on the ground and they were cracking argon nuts and making argon oil. And that was just so intriguing to me because we see argon oil as like this, you know, commodified, like finished product in this, you know, shiny, you know, bottle and all these brands that use it, but I had never seen it like being made like from the source. And so the rest is kind of history, but every place that I went, I would look for the makers, look for the hardworking women who were making these things that we all just loved. And, and, um, and I wanted to learn more. And so I would like come on my knees, like wanting to learn, like I wanted to listen. I wanted to learn about these African beauty secrets and you know, how they had been used throughout people's families. And so I did that for about a year. And then I was like, I got to start something. And I wanted, I had like become friends with like these women that I met from like Ghana, (laughs) Nigeria, Morocco, Egypt, you know, they would invite me to their homes and to their parties. And, you know, I was, I felt very close to them and I wanted to learn about their concerns, you know, because they were doing business and I wanted to figure out how I could work with them to where they can get the most benefit. And so I remember I was back in Houston and I was trying to think like I had so, and that's the thing, 54 Thrones was not my first business idea. I had so many other like beauty brands and things and they just, they weren't clicking. But then one day I was like 54, I want, cause I was like, I want to travel to every African country and I wanted to create a brand that was like African inspired, but it was like sexy. I felt like whenever I would go to like the drugstore, the beauty supply store or wherever and to buy like shea butter, it was always like in a dusty little, you know, jar at the bottom of the shelf. I like wanted something that basically personified how I felt when I was in Nigeria, when I was in Africa. So I was like, I wanted to make a brand. And I said, I wanted to work directly with these women and men that I had met. Like, why not? And the name just kind of like came to me. And I remember I had told someone close to me the name and they were like, nah, that's not it. They were like, I don't like it. And so I said, you know, okay. And I said, I'm not going to tell anyone else the name. I'm just going to, I'm just going to work and put it out there. And that's what I did after that. Um, in 2016 is when we launched. Oh my gosh. There's so many gems <laughs> to this story. I mean, seriously, I think that there, there's a few and the fact that it started through this love of like travel and I want to learn yeah. and I want to explore, you know, we can get so caught up in our bubble and our bubble of which we exist that can be amazing. But if we're able to expand our horizons and knowing that it's a privilege to be able to travel yeah. outside of your comfort zone, but what you're able to do when you allow yourself to like receive learning and to meet new people, yeah. it's phenomenal. And there's this quote that I love that you said that really sums up, you know, your experience. And you said, and it was on Instagram. (laughs) When you, I was like, this is where it comes from. Um, You said, when you empower a woman, you empower a community, a nation and the world at large. 
And I just love that because you, you've said throughout this entire conversation, how do I help others? How do I include others? How do I make sure that they are benefiting from me being there? And so I love that notion of how do I bring people along with me? It's something that I really stand for. And I also want to talk through this notion of when you quit your job, and you made a distinction that you quit your job in 2015, you started the company in 2016. And we have so many people that are like, I can't quit, I can't quit until I'm here. I'm gonna quit at this moment. But you said, I quit my job because I had a calling. Mm -hmm. So talk about that calling and that point of exhale in terms of saying like, (laughs) I found it. Even when people told you, I don't like that name, you kept going. I did. And I did because I've always been a stubborn person. I've always been very like confident in what I think will work. I've never like been a person to play to the gallery. I've always been like, and my parents just raised us like that. My parents would indulge my ideas. Like I was, I remember like when I was like eight or nine, I used to write Oprah letters and my parents would encourage it. Like I had show ideas. I had like things that I felt like she needed to know. <laughs> and I would like write Oprah. I wrote all types of celebrities. My parents were, like write it. They would give me stamps and you know what I mean? And then I remember one time Oprah wrote me back I re- and I need to find it. Wow. She wrote me back on a postcard one time. But like I like my parents raised my siblings and I to be like, you really can do anything. So I never like had this like self-limiting belief. And um, a part of that also like lent to me being naive about certain things when starting my business, like quitting and then me just thinking in a year, the day I launched, we was going to like sell, you know, I mean, that does <laughs> yes. happen, but it's, it doesn't happen as often. I literally thought like 54 Thrones, we opened, we got the shop on Shopify, we're about to sell out. And that is not what happened when I started. But I always like had this like naivete that just, and I felt like, um, you know, like I want to start a brand. I'm going to fly to Africa. I'm, you know, I'm going to, cause that's where Shea Butter is. That's where I need to go. And, and not until years later that I realized no one else was thinking like that. Like they would just go online and order products and start a brand. But I was like, I have to go there. Like to, yes. you know what I mean? That's, that's how like my mind was, was um, like firing off and it was naive in a sense, but that's what I thought made the most sense. And it was, it worked out because that is, what made our story so authentic um, because we were actually were going and showing the people and, and giving a voice to their stories. But at the time it was, to me, it was like, that's what I have to do. I have to go there. Like, that's how, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it is such a game changer. Like, that's what I always say. There's always going to be products that have similar ingredients or say that they do similar things and offer the benefits But the reason I love working with founders and really why I've been so driven to create our Brain Trust Founder Studio platform is because of that story, is because of the authenticity. That's what makes it worthwhile to be, excuse me, to be a founder. And that's the differentiation point to say, I never thought of doing this any other way, but to going to Africa and to getting all of the ingredients that I need and your products are so yummy. Thank you. They are just, you put them on and they just melt and you just feel such a connection. You, you really, and truly do. Like I, I love them. And You know, I want to talk about this notion because a lot of founders say, like, I have this great idea and they put it up and then it's like crickets. 
And then there's a little bit of a boom and then it's like crickets. So you talked about this and you talk about this pivot. And I will also say that you have been featured in Oprah. So that manifestation from when you were yeah, literally came to pass. Um, But talk about what it's been like in terms of, you know, we'll we'll talk about your success on Shark Tank. You are Sephora. You've had all these accolades. You've been featured, Oprah, all of these other press channels. You're Sephora. You were part of the Sephora Accelerator. So talk about these years in between because we're now 2022 and it hasn't been all roses, but you've had so many successes in learning. So can you share a bit of that, that time of it? Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And I guess I didn't, I I just, I'm just remembering, I didn't even answer your initial question about like quitting my job, but I'll quickly just comment on that. I knew that I, me, I knew that if I decided I wanted to do something and if I never did it, I would live a life of regret and that would just kill me. So I just knew that I had to bet on myself. If I didn't, I would have always be like just tormenting myself. Like you could have done that, you know? So I knew I had to do it. And that's how like it, I actually got started. But, and I remember some of my friends were so worried about me. I had a friend in particular. He was so worried when I told him what I was going to do and what I did. And today he brings that up. Um, But he was like, are you sure? Like he was, I remember that. Bless his heart. He was so worried about me. And I was like, I got it. I, was, I hadn't, I had, when I quit, I had no worry about anything. Like I was so confident, like this was going to work. And I remember back in 2015, 2016, when I had took a trip to Morocco, I was in all these Facebook groups of like women who were like into making products. And, and I was like, Hey y'all, I got this natural argon oil. Is anybody interested? And it just blew up. Like, hundreds of people. So I validated it. I was like, this is going to work. And when I first started, it didn't work. (laughs) It it wasn't working. Like I remember my first like 10 orders were like my cousins and my friends. (laughs) And they were, and that's another thing. Like some people are like, you know, I always see these different memes and stuff. And it's like, your friends don't support you, but they support Beyonce and by Fenty and Rihanna. My friends and family supported me so much to where I was kind of like, listen, can y'all chill? Because these are not organic orders. Like y'all are doing this because y'all love me and I appreciate it, but I'm trying to start a, a business. I want, you know, so like, I didn't have that problem of like not having support. Like, but um, I remember launching the store and it was like crickets. And three weeks later, I started another business, like a service-based business where I lived locally. And that took off because I quickly realized like, okay, like I didn't have a marketing budget. I was like, and this, and another funny thing was, I remember I had figured out how to do a Facebook ad. And this was before Facebook ads were like big, like, you know, this was people, now it is, but and I remember people, so when I launched, I had these ads that I made and it would say sponsored. And people were calling me like thinking Facebook sponsored me because people hadn't really seen oh. regular brands. <laughs> yes, sponsored Yeah, and so they were like, yes. wow, like you sponsored. Like so everybody thought I was just like taking off and I didn't say anything. I was just like, like these are Facebook Yes, ads. smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was funny because they were like, man, Christina had a sponsored ad, like... So, you know, that was a funny, like, little finding back then when I launched. But from 2016 to, like, the beginning of 2020, 54 Thrones was, like, no one knew about us. Like, I was I was just 
I was just doggedly doing this, doing the thing. And, and I just had this, I just had, I saw what it could be in my mind. I was like, I can't stop. And I already started and I believe in it so much. And I saw like the white space and I was just obsessed with it. Even when I was running my other business, this is what I always truly wanted to be doing. And so from 2016, it's like the beginning of 2020, we were like four figure sales. It was not a profitable business at all. Like no one knew about the brand. But when people did find out about it, like through different, you know, little boutiques and stuff or people who are when or when people or, or when actual customers found us, they, they liked it. And so I was like, okay, I just need people to find out about us. And then 2020 happened. And, and I remember there was a moment in 2019 one day where I was just like, what am I doing? Like, I'm still doing this. It's been three years. You know what I mean? I'm doing this. I'm taking the trips. I'm spending all my money. And for one, I remember it was a whole 24 hours. I was like, is this going to work? Um, and then I like snapped out of it. And then 2020, Oprah's favorite things, like everything just, you know what I mean? You know, it's so fascinating to hear the different stories of founders. And we've all had the moment of, I'm done, right? What am I doing? Should I be doing this? Like with the money I've invested in this and still not seeing a return, you know, what do I do? And so then for you to say you held on, right? And then we hit 2020, we go into this pandemic, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you're now in Oprah's favorite things. You start riding the wave of this movement, yeah. but you've also been very clear that, and you said it about Africa has always been lit, let's be clear, <laughs> but you've also talked about black owned brands have always been around, yeah. right? And that we just didn't have a platform. And you talk a lot about race equality. So what was it like in terms of you have this moment, you're like, what am I doing? Fast forward, you're now in one of the largest publications endorsed by you know someone who you had written to. And there's this moment of racial reckoning yeah. that seemingly supported you and your business and helped propel growth to the next level because we've always been here. We just needed a platform. Yeah. I mean, that that it's bittersweet because I live in Houston. Yeah. I live not my office and I live not far from where George Floyd grew up. I went to his funeral. I saw him in the casket. You know what I mean? And then for it to also like turn into this like, oh, 101 black owned brands. You can shop. You know what I mean? It was it was kind of jarring because it's like, how does this translate into this? So it's like you're happy in a sense, because now people are finding out about your brand and they're actively searching for your brand. But when you look at how did it get to this point, it's like, so this is what it took for people to, you know, to, to have this response. And so in a way, like it's bitter, it was very bittersweet. And it was, I had a lot of different like um, emotions because I was happy, but then I was like sad and I felt embarrassed for the world. Like this is how, you know, yes. black brands. And now it's like a, you know, and it was like some people, it's weird because everybody's processing this differently in their own way. And there's not a necessarily a wrong way to process it, but some people's response was, okay, I'm going to buy black owned brands. And it's like, we're, we're glad, but I think it kind of gets to this fatigue of like this list fatigue of like shop these black brands. And it's like, no, just shop these brands. Cause they're awesome. Like buy 54 thrones because it's great. Like I'm tired of being in all the, you know, black categories, like, no, like put us on the shelf with everybody else. 
You know what I mean? And I I think that like shopping for your skincare, you know, shouldn't have to be such a revolutionary act. I want people to buy our products because they like them, because they like the story, because they identify with us from all walks of life, not just black people. Like I want people to enjoy our products, but I don't want it to continue to have to be like this. I bought black, like I did it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like put us on the stage with everyone else where we belong. You know, it's so paramount and and I agree with you. And it's so touching your connectivity to everything that happened. And you're right. It is. It's it's these moments of we often think like, why did something happen? And then in time, we see that something happened and unlocked something so powerful that had one incident not happened. You often wonder where would we be and what would have happened? And would this platform have existed for us all as Black founders to essentially accelerate? Mm -hmm. And so it is a really, it's a bittersweet moment and it's beyond the headline because it impacts us every single day. And so I appreciate you saying that and giving balance because we talk so much about the 15% pledge, which I am a huge fan of Aurora and the team and what it's done for us. And I think the main thing is that it's given us the opportunity to say we need more than 15%. We will not be confined to this one shelf space. Right. We'll sit alongside of others mm-hmm. because it's about the efficiency of what our products do and who we are and what we stand for. And so it's so impactful what you're saying, because at a certain point, we can't be on just the black list. Right. It doesn't make sense whenever our products are doing exactly what another product is doing. Our founder just happens to look different. That's it. Like, that's it. <laughs> right? It's like, that is, it's just, that's the work that we're doing. And that's the work that we'll continue to do. Mm-hmm. And why I will continue to have these conversations and give praise for what set it in motion in terms of the pledge but then also giving us grace to expand beyond the confinements of what others have placed. Yes. So, uh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So so let's fast forward. Um, And, you know, I know that, that, you know, it's coming in terms of Shark Tank. So it's, we love the Shark Tank stories. We have had other founders who have stuck to their guns, one Shark Tank as well. And you just phenomenal, right? So, Talk about that because the biggest thing to me that came out was like you played hardball, you stuck to your gut, you knew your value, you knew your price point, and you were able to come out on top. So when you were thinking about capital and how do I grow my brand, what led you to this moment of saying, I'm going to do Shark Tank? And then how did you hold your place, your value, your center through the entire competition? Well, I think, you know, I've watched Shark Tank for years, like many other people. And to me, it was like, I've seen the success of some of the brands who've been on Shark Tank. And so I'm always like a glass half full kind of person. And I'm like, okay, that's what's what's gonna happen for me too. Like, (laughs) yeah, like, of course, (laughs) if I get on the show. So um, I, I practice a lot. Like I practice before going on the show. But when I got on the sh- on the show, I felt so comfortable on the stage. Like I felt so comfortable. I was surprised afterwards, like how comfortable and relaxed I felt. Um, and I felt very comfortable talking to the sharks. I felt more comfortable like talking to those five people than like hundreds of people. Um, I don't know. And 
they asked a lot of questions that I knew the answer to. I knew my business, you know, so it was just really, it's like if someone asked you to talk about your favorite topic, you know what I mean? You're, you, you've, I felt very comfortable. So um, that's kind of like the mindset I had going in. I knew what I wanted. I knew what, what I knew how far I could go. And I was, I was very like optimistic about what the outcome was going to be for me. I love that. You knew your business, you practiced, and you knew how far you wanted to yeah. go. I'm also like a glass half full, full person. So I always dream in like rainbows. Me and too. Yeah. And like divine <laughs> blessings. Like it never occurs to me that it's right. going to work out because it always does. I'm like, yeah. let's just be honest. Yeah. And it's rooted in faith. Yeah. Like that's all I've got. I'm faithful. I know I'm going to be blessed and I'm going to be protected. And so this notion of practice, right? And knowing your business, the amount of founders who are looking for outcomes, but don't know their yeah. business, it's it's like, that's what we're trying to help educate on and mentor around. So as you were thinking about your business and the outcomes that you wanted, was there ever a moment where you especially because you had a bit of a negotiation. So in that moment, were you thinking, I'm not going to do this. I am going to do this. Like what, what kind of pushed you to say, I'm going to take the 250 and I'm going to move forward with my business and, and talk about that. And then the impact since then. Yeah. So I, while I was on the show and we were, you know, going back and forth, I like, I felt their energy and I knew that they wanted to make a deal with me. Like I knew that they were, they were in on this as much as I would. So to me, it was just a matter of like finding a number. So I was in my mind, like while it was happening and it happened quick, even though um, I was on the stage longer than what it looks like, but the, 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 the deal happened quick. And in my mind, I was like, okay, I just need to get to the number and then they're going to be all in. And they were, um, and so since the show, like so many people have found out about 54 Thrones and our episode actually re-aired like um, two, two or three weeks ago. And so it's just like, it is an amazing thing. And although there's been like 13 seasons of Shark Tank to be able to say like you were one of the entrepreneurs that was on Shark Tank, like it's just always like, even when I think about it, I'm like, I did Shark Tank. I used to watch it. I'm still just yes. like, I was on there. And I've seen so many more of my like founder friends that are on, like their episodes are airing now. And I'm like, oh, you did it too. You know, cause you can't talk about it like when you're going through the process. So it's been so exciting, like watching the other, the other beauty brands and other brands that are on the show. But like the, the Shark Tank effect is real. The Oprah effect is real. Like the amount of just eyeballs that are on your brand uh, once you air on Shark Tank is incredible. I've never experienced anything like this. Um, and then it just keeps happening. People continue and continue and continue to find your your brand on Shark Tank. And so that was amazing. Um, seeing people like um, people would do like Reddit. We're like on Reddit chats and YouTube and people like watching the episode and commenting that's been fun to like, you know, watch it and listen to. So I recommend like anyone thinking about applying to Shark Tank to do it. Like I have nothing negative to say about it. The whole experience was something that was nothing but beneficial for my brand. I would do it again. Um, and I think that if you are going to do it, and even if you're not, if you're looking for funding or even if you're just starting a brand, you have to know your numbers. You have to know your business. 
And it's just a matter of practice. Um, you know what I mean? If you use a platform like Shopify, go over the reports. If you use, if you're doing email marketing, like go over those reports and seeing your click rate and learning it and practicing it. You know what I mean? Um, memorizing it and understanding how what you do in the business affects those numbers, you know, and that's like a start. You may not be able to afford like a CFO or an accountant in the very beginning, but just knowing the little changes you do and how it affects your business. And then knowing that so that you never know when you're going to be in a room or when you're going to meet someone and they want to know like, Hey, they might be able to help you and you need to know your business. You need to be able to say, well, we have this, this is our RI. This is, you know what I mean? And it's, so I would always recommend like, practicing your business, like knowing your numbers, knowing how things are, are how things that you've done in the business affects your business. So that was like, like an advantage that I had is that I knew my numbers. I know my numbers. I knew my business. I knew every single thing. So I was ready for the questions. I was like, let's go. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love this. I am so going to have you do one of our founder to founder yeah. chats for the founder studio because it can be intimidating when you don't know yeah. or when you feel like you don't have an MBA and you don't have these things. And, and like, I have so to much say, it comes from learning. ask questions yeah. because sometimes yes. like I am in my meetings with my CFO and I'm like, what does that mean? And like, do, I don't feel embarrassed or like I'm dumb. Like, what does this mean? Like I ask questions. I ask the most basic questions. Like, give me an example of how this works. Like all the people that I work with, you know, and if there's something I don't know, like we have a digital team, I'm in the meetings and I'm like, okay, so how does CAC influence? Like, I want to know, I don't know everything and I'm paying these people. So you need to tell me what this means. So never like be afraid or ashamed to ask questions. Like even today, like when we're in, you know, meetings with our retailers, I'm asking questions too. Cause I'm like, okay, like I'm new to this. I don't know all the acronyms. Things that, and you know, I'll always also like Google and try to learn, but if they're there, I want to know like, what does this mean? So I think that especially for like black and BIPOC founders who may not have a friend already in the industry or have these contacts, ask your questions and don't feel ashamed to ask questions because if you don't ask, you're just sitting there and you still don't know, you know what I mean? So I always say that like, ask your questions. No one's going to, like you create a brand that's here. So you obviously have some sort of genius, right? You're doing something right. So you shouldn't feel like, you know, um, bad for asking questions. I ask so many questions. Oh, I love that. Ask questions. Like that was one of the biggest things with founders asking for help yeah. um, and then asking questions yeah. and feeling like, well, I'm the leader. This is my brand. I should know. But you only know if you ask right. questions. And I do believe people respect you for that because the more you ask, the more, you know, the more you learn, the more you yeah. grow. Like it's so true. And those are great, great, great tips. Like really being able to leverage these platforms to help grow your own, asking questions, understanding your business. And the other thing that you said that really sparked me was you looked at your CFO and you said, I don't understand this, or you asked retailers or you ask your social person. We have to build teams of people 
that we trust and trust us so that when we're in it together, we have this shared alliance to be able to ask questions. Your CFO should never make you feel as though you're less than because you're not the CFO. You're the founder. And I loved how you said that because that's a tip in and of itself. Build teams of people who allow you to be you and ask the questions and give you answers in a trusted space so that you can represent the brand to your fullest capacity. Absolutely. I love that. And another thing that I've been a part of for maybe um, almost a year is that I have a monthly call with three other founders in the beauties in the beauty personal care space. And that is like a no hold bar safe space where I can be like, y'all, like today sucks. This happened with my supplier. Have y'all experienced this? Or do you have a do you have like a um, a three pill you recommend? Who makes your boxes? You know what I mean? Because sometimes you you don't have that group, right? Um, but I was blessed to be able to come across these women who really, I met them through Instagram, you know, just like, and, um, two of us were in an accelerator program together. And so just like offline, we like connected and it was like, y'all let's have like a monthly call for an hour where we can just spill, talk about our bad days, talk about what we need help with, talk about what's working for us. So that's also like a space where if I, if, if that it's good to have, if you still feel a little nervous to ask questions into, you know, this abyss or to someone specifically, like nine times out of 10 other founders are dealing with the same thing, you know, they may have the answer um, already. And so finding like a safe space of like-minded people that are like on the same journey as you, you know, and I love it because there's not like this competition. Like I want my friends to win. Like we all could be winning. Like we all could be on the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that has been like, and we actually spoke yesterday. Um, but that has like been another thing that like I keep close to me and I look forward to every month um, is that group. Uh, I I love that. I just, I don't think that we were meant to work in silos. I don't think that we were meant to be alone. Mm-hmm. I think that it's only through community and sharing in a non-competitive way that we can all excel. And even when I was thinking about the studio, it really was like, how do we bring founders together in a safe space, Black beauty and wellness founders in a safe space to ask questions and to share in a non-competitive way, right? Because oftentimes we can be pitted against each other just because of the way society looks at things. But if we have to be our own consortium, we have to be our own community, we have to protect each other because they can't pick us up. That's right. (laughs) That's just what it's about. So I love that notion of finding your people and your safe space and being able to have that shared alignment and saving time. You know, I talked to founders like, we put together such a robust agency directory because like people are spending so much time trying to find it when we could share yep. and spend more time running our business. Exactly. So that is a gym. Um, okay. So two more things before we wrap up, I'm so excited about this fun little game. We haven't really done okay. it that much, but it's a lot of fun. And you, my friend or someone who I can't wait for these answers. So I'm going to, and you're connected. to <laughs> Yeah. All the things, you're all the things. So, um, three statements. I'm gonna say them, and then you finish. Okay. 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 Here we go. In school, I used to daydream about being in charge. (laughs) 
I'll be overwhelmed and I'm like, let me just take a second, close yeah. my eyes, say a prayer and recenter mm-hmm. myself and that feeling of protection. I always like think about the Bible scripture in terms of footprints mm. and that when you only see one set of footprints, that's like God carrying mm-hmm. you. And so it's the sense of yeah. protection. I feel that too at all times. Right. So Oh, I'm sad, but we are coming to the end. I was like, I need to go. I don't know. Because um, now I'm like, I want to join. I'm joined. So, <laughs> so as we close out the show, um, we always end with one brand that you're excited about. So obviously 54 Thrones, but if there's another brand that we should learn about, buy, consume, read about, what do you think? I love so many brands. Um, I love um, Ode to Self Skincare. Ode to Self Skincare. I love um, Bread Beauty. I love Topicals. I love Shaz and Kicks. Um, I love Peak and Valley, which is a, a like a mushroom-based adaptogen drink. I love um, Rosen Skincare. They're sold at Target and just launched in Ulta. I love, I can go on. I love Lamique Beauty. She's from Houston also. I love, okay, here's yes. one. The, the woman who started this brand, that the necklace that I'm wearing, it's called Symbols of Authority. She is Nigerian. Her name is Ishokin, and she just launched, and she's doing a truck show in Moda Operandi right now. And I love her brand. I get so many compliments. It's all inspired by, like, African queens. Um, so love this brand also. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love it. There's so many old to self skincare, yes. Peak and Valley, Rosen Skincare, Lamique. Of course, Kim is one of our founders, studio yes. founders, and symbols of authority. I was like, I've got to, I need to get, yeah, get together. <laughs> going. I love this. Well, this has been Christina. Oh my gosh, thank you. I believe in divine timing, thank and this you. was such the perfect time for us to get together. Thank you for sharing, for being honest. And I just, I appreciate you. And I'm excited for 54 Thrones and all that you'll continue to do and following your journey. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you for having me. I was looking forward to this and this was amazing. I've actually had a great time. I've had a fun doing this with you. Thank you. I'm encouraged. I'm inspired. I can't wait to take a trip to Nigeria with you to just soak up all of the goodness of the ancestors and of course the shea butter. Um, And every week I share an influencer that I'm checking out And thank you, Christina. Make sure to follow Symbols of Authority. That is Symbols of Authority. I'm so excited. I can't wait to check that brand out. And as always, I want to leave you with one thing from today's guest. Christina shared with us that her main thing was knowing her business. She practiced. She was knowledgeable. She asked questions. So think about your own business. How will you make sure that you know the ins and outs and everything about your business so you can continue to thrive, grow, and be successful? And with that, follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, associate producer Ariel Mancibo, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, edited by Fishmar Creative, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast, And on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a Mean Old Line Media production. 
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.